Here now is the um, uh, the writer and the soon-to-be producer of a top ten Billboard hit called "Don't Stop Repealing." <laughs> Dr. Kevin Wade Casey, healthcareonomics.com. <laughs> Good morning, King Dude. I think you ought to do the lead vocals on that. Don't stop how... repealing. That's right. I'll do the backing uh, stuff for you. Sounds great, man. I like it. I like it. So, so uh, uh, <laughs> what's going on in healthcare onomics, uh, health insurance industry fleecing of the American people since last time we talked? <laughs> well, it is still alive. And well, uh, people are still being fleeced left and right, up and down, over and out every day uh, by the what I call the big myth of healthcare, and that is that you need health insurance before you can have any health care. Uh, people firmly believe in that, and um, as witnessed by you know, I'm big on Twitter. Um, I am uh, very active on Twitter. And I have some health insurance agents, I presume these are health insurance agents, that follow me on Twitter because they tweet me interesting tidbits a lot about how they're interacting with their customers. And uh, several of them over the past uh, few weeks have tweeted me just that, you know, gosh, I try to get these people to buy these cheaper, high-deductible plans, but they always want the lower copays. And I just shake my head. That has been a recurring theme. Um, Amongst amongst these, uh, I guess I have three or four of these folks who follow me and tweet me back regularly. And I swear, I think two or three of them have actually tweeted me back with that same kind of uh, theme that people are paying a lot of extra money so that they get a lower copay. And I don't think that people understand what a copay really is, King Dude, Mitter Church. <laughs> a copay is nothing more than a marketing scam. Um because let me explain to your audience, if you have a, if you go from a $20 co- or let's say you go from a $40 doctor visit copay. Okay. Yeah. $40. $40. I ain't got $40 for oh to, take the, to save my life. Are you kidding? I mean, I took my kids to the movies last night. It was $85 <laughs> for the three of us. And I can't afford, I mean, $40 for something as trivial as a doctor visit. So they, they, if you, they pay extra to go from a $40 pay, copay to a $20 copay, I don't care what that copay is. You can get a $0 copay. What's your deductible, man? But, and, and, and by the by, what's your out-of-pocket maximum on your policy? Because you're going to still be stuck paying bills more than likely because the copay is nothing more than the amount that you have to pay. Here's what I would say. If I took health insurance at my office, which I don't, as you know, right? But if I did, I would have a sign posted that said, "Hey, look, buddy, the copay is what you got to pay me today to get out the door without us calling the police on you." Okay, that's all the copay represents. The rest of the bills, the rest of the fun will start a few weeks from now. So have a nice time, safe in the in the knowledge that you've paid your copay. <laughs> but you know, I, I mean, it's all going to come. It all comes back around sooner or later. It's well, like karma. It's going to haunt you. Well, listen to this. Uh, one of our uh, listeners in the chat room, Alan, says, uh, we have a high deductible plan based on the doctor's equation. We didn't what? use our insurance to buy my son's asthma medication a few weeks ago and saved $80 by Crazy. not using the insurance rate. So, Doc, you've actually Crazy. got some followers here in the uh, <laughs> from the Crusade channel. Well, it seems to be working. Tell her congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, you know, I mean, there's something to be said for this. Now, this isn't for everyone. I want to be, be sure and put a disclaimer out there. I, I write about this equation extensively in my book. I have a whole chapter devoted to it. I have an app out that is the equation, but it's, it's only available for Android as of yet. Right. We're still working on the iOS version, but I think we're close. But the, the Android version is wonderful because it takes you through all the different permutations. And by the equation, I mean this is, a, this is a way for folks to compare health insurance plans and see which is the best deal for them. And the reality is in most cases, most, not all, in most cases it doesn't really pay for folks to upgrade. I can only think of a couple of different reasons why. Well, really, Middle Church, only one reason why people should upgrade their policies, and that is to get – 
better prescription coverage. But let me let me be clear on this, though, okay? All right. Let me give you an example of why, why you can't trip up and fall for this. When I say better prescription coverage, what I mean is that if you take one of these outrageously priced drugs, $10,000 a month, let's say, for the Remicade or the Enbril or Harvoni, one of these ridiculously priced, usually biologic drugs, treat stuff like rheumatoid arthritis or hepatitis C, then you need prescription coverage. Okay. If uh, all you're taking is some blood pressure medicine, you don't need prescription coverage. You, I, I, I prescribe people all the time in my clinic blood pressure, high cholesterol, high thyro or low thyroid condition, depression, um, diabetes. I prescribe people with these conditions medicines on the $4 list. In fact, can I, can I share something? Yeah, yeah, I want to hear the $4 list. <laughs> okay, well, let me, let me just give you an example. It's a personal example. I have two pre-existing conditions. Well, three, I'm a man. <laughs> Four, I'm a white man, first of all. Sorry. Sorry, bump. That's a little joke. But I have two pre-existing conditions. I have high blood pressure, and I have uh, not. I don't have high cholesterol per se, but I have a, a bad, uh, high, a bad good cholesterol number. My good cholesterol, it, it's it's terrible. I'll trade a lot of people for their good cholesterol numbers because mine's terrible. And I have a horrible family history of heart disease in my family. Okay. So, I take high cholesterol medicine to lower my bad cholesterol, and then I take high blood pressure medicine. You know how much this stuff costs me a year? It's <laughs> 80 bucks. Now, $80. $80 a year because I go and I get one, I get three months supply at a time for 10 bucks for each medicine. So it's $20, as you would say in New Orleans, it's $20 a quarter. A quarter. <laughs> okay. So for a quarter, I mean three months, every three months. So it's 80 bucks a year. Some of this rabble and nonsense and drivel that these politicians make up about pre-existing conditions, pre-existing conditions. I have a, a meme with Chuck Schumer on my Twitter account. I say pre-existing conditions are just using the woes of the few against the fears of the masses. <laughs> because most pre-existing conditions like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, thyroid disease, diabetes even – most of these things can be treated off that $4 list. And so people fall for this all the time, this whole drug scam. In fact, you remember a few weeks ago, I think we may have even talked about this the last time I was on, but there was a lady in Texas who, who died from the flu. Yep. Talk about that. But if you'll remember, your, your audience needs to remember this, that um, she did not go pick up her Tamiflu prescription because the copay on it was going to be... I think it was like 116 bucks was what the copay was going to be with her, with her insurance. Now, here's the rub. By not using her health insurance, by just going for it and paying for it out of cash pocket, she probably could have got it for almost half of 116 bucks. She probably could have got it for 60 or 70 bucks by not using her health insurance. So, but I want to use my copay, doctor. That's right. I pay so much for my health insurance. I got to squeeze. Yes, I pay. My oh, husband pays eighteen hundred dollars a month That's for right. health insurance. Right. I got to use my copay. Hey, do it, <laughs> and you'll make the papers when you don't go get your medicine. You'll make the papers. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not making light of that. Okay, I'm, I'm really not making light of that. But. Uh, say a prayer for me, but, uh, yeah, always, <laughs> you know, I'm telling you right now, people have this fixed false belief that health insurance is some kind of a discount program that negotiates better pricing for them when they use it. Uh, uh, no. Does anybody think that car insurance, that the Geico Gecko <laughs> negotiates better car, uh, uh, auto body repair for you? You know, it's funny. I wrote, I wrote this <laughs> in my in my first book, The Guide to Buying Health Insurance and Healthcare, there's a chapter in there where I talk about my time working in the emergency room, which is the majority of my career, 20-plus years. And in the last part of that, of that escapade, uh, a few years ago, I worked in these freestanding ERs here in Texas that, are, that were a phenomenon. They're now going by the by, which they need to, because they're so overpriced it's ridiculous. But I saw a lady... I was working at a facility that had been open four months to the day, on Christmas Day 2014. I saw her for a, I 
can't remember, snotty nose, earache, <laughs> sore throat, some emergency, you know, it was a life-threatening emergency. And she was just gushing about how great this is. Oh, my gosh, this is just down the street from us. It's so convenient. You're open 24 hours a day, and you get us in, you get us out, and we get our prescriptions for our viruses and stuff. It's great. And I'm like, how many, you know, and so I looked her up. Her, she had been there, I think, four times. Her husband had been there a couple of times, and their kid had been there three times. So that's, that's nine visits to an ER. Wow. In four months. Now, here, here's the deal. Here's my point to that. If I bumped into that lady on the road, or if she bumped into me on the road and we did a little fender dent or crack or whatever, I'll bet you 10 bucks that we'd get out of the car and she'd say, Hey, listen, my cousin owns a body shop. We don't have to report this on our, on our car insurance, do we? Because she'd be afraid of raising the rates. And yet, <laughs> when it comes to the health care and the health insurance, she just, ah, willy-nilly, just, you know, nine times in four months using the emergency room. It's crazy, man. I, I, I do not understand it. It's, people look at health insurance and health care from a totally different way, and that's what I try to do on Twitter. That's what I'm trying to do in my blog and my books and in my speaking. It's just point out to folks by using a sense of humor the absurdities that they, that they do all the time when it comes to these two topics. And they need to stop doing it. They will save some big money. And you know what? They'll get a lot better health care. They'll get a lot better quality health care, I think. And if more people start, start in charge of it. Right. And if more people, uh, I think people are going to be forced into it anyways. Uh, more they people uh, start uh, uh, actually paying for their medicine. And not uh, not doing that. No, nah, man, I want to. No, man, I got a policy. I want my copay. Everybody, <laughs> no, I want my employer to buy it. I used to do. Uh, right. I, I I think somebody paid me one time way back in the day to give the to give this talk, and uh, I used to give it on the old station in the old country back in the two thousand seven eight somewhere up in there, and that is that look. There's this, uh, the, the, what you people call a benefit is a scam. <laughs> this is a total 100% USDA health insurance industry and other uh, industry paid for scam. Re bad. Retirement industry, scam, uh, financial industry, scam. That's You're not fact. getting a benefit. It, look, That's fact. if you had... Uh, it, they're trading something. They're trading you basically the equivalent of cash compensation, which would cost them more. Well, if and they're they're trading that for this thing that they're gonna that they're gonna count as a benefit. Um, the only reason they're doing it, there's two reasons. Number one, uh, they're doing it for tax purposes, and number two, right. they're doing it to and it's totally it, it totally for tax purposes. It, it 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 makes a healthier bottom line, especially the larger the company. And the second reason is. It gives them an elusive or an illusory, adva quote, advantage, close quote, over another uh, employer who will go like, oh, well, you know, our... Um, our a $5 copay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're going to work for us, your copay will only be $18 yeah. instead of 20 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to go through my employer to get a $5 copay. And, you know, here's the thing. You're exactly right. I want to explore that a little bit for your audience and make them understand that <clears throat> the tax benefits to employers are such that they're gigantic, they're ginormous. If they paid you the cash required to buy your $1,500 a month health insurance plan, <clears throat> if they just handed over that cash to you, I think you know most people, if they realize that, would be like, hey, I want, I want the $1,500. But if they were to do that, the company would be taxed on that. But by running this through health insurance, they get to offer – a seemingly better job, you know, with a lower copay or whatever, and they get to deduct it from their taxes. Right. So that's something that Congress could do is repeal that law, whatever law it is that allows that. Uh, and this happened back in the 40s, by the way. But there's a law in the books that allows uh, companies to do that, to deduct this. And it's, it's been estimated that this is around a $300 billion a year tax loss for the federal government. $300 billion dollars per year. Per, per year, which is... Yeah, Daniel, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's, it's preposterous. Well, I go to this company because they do this and that and the other. Um, <laughs> we have we have a benefit system here, but we only care for our uh, our contractors and our employees' souls, you see. <laughs> You're on your own for your health insurance. <laughs> You're on you know, your... the thing, 
Yeah, and the thing is, <laughs> let me tell you something. Um, it's great that employers, if employ, hold on, let me say this. Let me make this clear. If employers can get you a better deal through the group rate, and that's the you know previous attraction, right? That we we get group rate, so you get a discount on your health insurance plan. That's the selling point that they've used for years. If they can do that, great. You know, that's wonderful. I, I mean, I'm a free market guy. You, you might want to consider taking those jobs. But here's the problem. Like Texas teachers, their raises are being eliminated by the increases in their health insurance premiums. So they don't get a raise every year. They, get a re- they just get to pay more for their health insurance. The, the, the school districts do. So it's ridiculous that health insurance is tied to employment. As I write in my book, that, that guide to buying, I really mistitled that thing, by the way, because it's more of a history of how health insurance took over health care <laughs> and, and, and how it's changed and what you need to do about it to save money. But I don't know. That, that's like a Monty Python title. It's way too long. I don't think it would work. But I titled it The Guide to Buying Health Insurance and Health Care, but it's really not all that. It's, it's more about the history. But anyway... I point out in the book that there are only two advantages, <clears throat> pardon me, only two advantages derived from having health insurance tied to employment. Okay. And they both benefit the health insurance company. Number one, it makes it very easy for Acme Health Insurance to Acme. sell <laughs> thousands. Yeah, Acme. Beep, beep. It makes it, it I was going to say, easy. Wiley Coyote is insured. Well, uh, they're, 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 they're Wiley executives. By Hackney Health. By the way, it's Dr. Kevin Wakezy of healthcareonomics.com, and you can find him on Twitter, healthcareonomics, and you can find him on Facebook, healthcareonomics, and you can actually get the book, and uh, it's got the formula in it that he's talking about. Plus, uh, what's the first book called again? The guide to buying health insurance. The guide to buying health insurance. These are ebooks, folks, and uh, the equations are in there. And you can actually get a uh, a very a very you'll get a very brutally honest report <laughs> on just how bad you're getting hosed when you uh, input the numbers into the uh, uh, the formula. And and the books are very funny. They're guaranteed to make you belly laugh at least a few times if you read them. They're not all dry, statistical, wow, that health insurance industry. No, it's none of that. It's uh, pretty pretty informative and entertaining. But uh, I will say this, that, that the two benefits that come from having health insurance derived or married to employment are this. Number one, it makes it easy for Acme Health Insurance or whatever health insurance, Inc., you want to put in there. Sure. It makes it super easy for them to sell policies to hundreds or even thousands of individuals at a time rather than going door-to-door, okay? And remember, insurance is a product that used to be sold door-to-door. Now it's a, almost it's a three-quarter of a trillion-dollar industry in the U.S. health insurance is. Uh, that ain't bad. That ain't a bad... Material. Quarter of a tree. Well, you know, it, it said that the... Uh, okay, it said that the healthcare uh, industry, that, you know, the argument that Pelosi and company were, was making back in 2009... And Obama was still making it uh, in his last year in office, and Trump was making it during the campaign. Is that our health insurance is consuming twenty-two to twenty-three percent of gross national product? Now, I think GMP is the most idiotic, imbecilic measure of, of, of economics in the history of the human race. Having said that, though, uh, if you got a seventeen, eighteen trillion dollar economy. And it's consuming 24 or 20, let's just say, we'll round it off. We'll say Obamacare is actually working, 20%. Uh, by my count, that's like $3.5 trillion a year. Yep. That's but incredible. But that's not, okay, so let me finish my point about the employers, if I may. Okay. And then we'll get back to, to that incredible $3.2 trillion All right. number. Um. The first thing that employment, having health insurance married to employment does, it makes it easy for health insurers to sell to lots of people at a time. Second thing it does, it makes it very, very difficult for all those people to step outside that relationship and say, you know what, my employer pays for my health insurance, but I'm going to go look some up online and see if I can get a better deal. Nobody does that because if the employer is paying for it, you're disincentivized from shopping around. And what happens when you apply that to millions at a time every year? 
you get low competition, you get high pricing, yes. perfect storm for these health insurance companies to jack up their premiums every year, jack up your deductible every year. And the reason is because you're not shopping around. We're not being consumers when it comes to health insurance. We're looking to employers like mama used to bring you the milk and the cereal. <laughs> We're looking to employers and saying, where's my health insurance? So as long as Americans do that, when I say this, when I say that we should divorce health insurance from employment, I mean, you might as well put a scarlet letter on my chest <laughs> and hang me upside down. From you heretic, also. you, you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm this evil, I'm this evil guy. And when I explain to people how that distorts the market, how that does nothing to benefit the health insurers, then they're kind of like, Hmm. Okay, take the letter off, but leave him hanging for a while because we don't like his tone. But the bottom line is that, that, you know, people need to get used to the idea that, hey, listen, there's other options out there. Oscar is a health insurance company that was started by one of the, oh, Jared Kushner's brothers or something like that. And, you know, that sounds all scammy and all this stuff. And, hey, probably is. I mean, I'm not saying it's not. I mean, these guys are big money, but... Where do you think? Who do you think starts insurance companies? Big money, venture capital. Big money. You'd have to have big money. Oh, you do. So, Oscar started a few years ago. I wrote about them in the book as well. And although they're they're still playing the same old same old game with their numbers and trying to fool people and you know getting these upgraded plans and stuff, they had a rather unique approach that I think was pretty cool. I don't know if they're still doing this. I'd be surprised if they are because it, it absolutely killed them in the Dallas Fort Worth area. They had to withdraw from our market a couple of years ago because they refused to offer health insurance through employers. They were doing oh, an individual-only thing. Wait a minute. You yeah. mean you could actually go and purchase it from the source yourself? Well, you still can. And that's another thing, man, that cracks me up is when Obamacare – oh, my gosh, man – how much? How much? How much? When Tuesday starts in about twenty-two and a half hours, so we got till Tuesday. <laughs> okay. So uh, the exchanges that were set up, the exchanges through Obamacare. Do you know how many billions of dollars were wasted in government money setting up these exchanges, and and then certain states like Texas refused to set them up and stuff like that. Now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was waiting for you to say that because I have a story here today <laughs> from the Federalist.com. Okay. Three unanswered questions in covered California's bogus premium study. Either the exchange views is resisting Trump or it wants to use the headlines to motivate Congress to pass a stability package. A stability package. On Thursday, covered California, the state's health insurance exchange uh, released uh. a purported study providing estimates of premium increases over the next three years. The report itself provides precious little specificity regarding premium increases, not least because no one can know such details so far in advance. It seems pur purposely designed around a blaring headline. Premium increases of up to 90%. <sighs> you, better, you better feed us, Trump administration, or we're going to see the health, health insurance industry. I, one of my tweets, I say, I would love to have invented a product or an industry like the health insurance industry that could not only hold Americans, ordinary Americans hostage, but could hold Congress hostage, too. I mean, they are genius, man. They are just... Minister, let me just tell you something, man. They are some of the most evil geniuses on the planet, uh, <laughs> these health insurance uh, architects, because they've got everybody where they want them. They've got everybody addicted to their product. So that uh, one of my tweets is I say, hey... Uh, why does your health insurance company charge you eighteen hundred bucks a month? Because you keep paying them eight hundred bucks a month. <laughs> That's why they do it because because it works. Because it works. That's why. Nonsense. Okay, I got to. Not advocating. And let me be clear. I'm not advocating people drop their health insurance. Not not saying that. I'm not going to say that. But you got to look outside the box. You got to look for options out there. Medishare. These kinds of things. To circle back around to your 3.2, oh, let's finish up exchanges, though. Let's talk about exchanges. You can buy health insurance online. I talk about this on my, on my, web, on my book as well. That just like your car insurance, just like your homeowner's insurance, just like your life insurance, you can go and buy a policy online already. We don't need exchanges to do this for us. E-health insurance, or it's now called e-health, and I don't mean to advertise for them, 
but they've been around for 20-plus years just hawking health insurance policies online. Now, who's their customer, though? Who, who shops for them? It's the self-employed, the small business owners, those people who don't belong to these giant, or not giant, but midland companies that, you know, take care of everything and bring you your meals like Mama did, you know, bring you your health insurance like you can't go get it yourself. So um, the people who, who – very small percentage of the market. In fact, it's estimated that less than 10% of health insurance plans sold out there today are on the individual market. The rest are covered by some form of subsidy or by employer coverage. It's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. 844-527-8723 is our telephone number, 844-5-CRUSADE. Uh, chat room is open, and you can put your questions in there if you have one for Dr. Way Casey of healthcareonomics.com. That's healthcareonomics.com. Um, uh, there, 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 was a, there were a couple of comments in here. Uh, one of them was, well, you tell your uh, doctor friend you're not going to get a $4, in, uh, $4 uh, uh, diabetes type. Uh, hold on, I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, when you were talking about the $4, uh, yeah. you can't treat T1 or type 1 diabetes for $4, Doc. Sorry. Uh, that's right. That's right. Absolutely true. Insulin is not on the $4 list, although insulin is one of the oldest human drugs we have. <laughs> Why isn't it on the $4 list if it's one of the oldest ones? <laughs> because they keep coming out with all these new insulin types and these analogs and these homologs and these uh, humologs and all this other stuff that, that you know, and, and these are great advances. Don't get me wrong. They've got insulins now that will last, you know, 24 hours. They've got insulins that are short-acting in case you need it right after a meal. But these drugs are all outrageously priced. That's right. And you know what? A part of that is there's two parts to that. So that, that person is absolutely right. I didn't mean to misspeak. Um, but type 1 diabetes represents a small fraction of diabetics. In fact, I would say it's probably around I could be wrong here, don't quote me, but around 10, maybe 20% of diabetics are actually type 1. And that's part of the problem. That's part of why it's not on the $4 list, Mike, is if you don't have a whole lot of people, if you don't have a huge market to sell to, yes. then your ability to, to, to price it goes up. I mean, if you've got a uh, – now, that being said, there's still millions, uh, I would wager, of type 1 diabetics across the U.S., so it's not that small of a market. It's not like it's, you know uh, – Huntington's Jellyfish Korea or something like that that you know, only six people have. Uh, pardon me. Which again, I hate to I, I hate to sound levit I hate to sound too, you know, joking about this. So I'm not joking about rare diseases. Please miss don't misunderstand that. But what I am saying is that if you've got a rare disease, it's going to cost a lot of money to treat it for sure. Yeah, because there's just not that much money to be had. It's a it's a supply versus demand problem. No, but, but isn't it also true that most of your diabetics in the United States they are not type one. They're most of them are type two. Oh. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And most of that is nutrition. Most of that is just obesity. Some of it's genetic. But uh, yeah, I, I've gotten so many people. Uh, normalized on their hemoglobin A1C by just nutrition, you know, dietary counseling and making them understand that they're killing themselves. By I, I'm going to tell you, America. I'm going to tell you something that is as ancient and old school as Moses itself himself. <laughs> yeah. But it, it actually, it actually uh, can Real. assist your health process. Now, this is not to go on a Mahatma Gandhi 45-day uh, starvation uh, protest or anything. Right. Um, but a regular regimen of fasting. You just pick a meal, pick a couple days, say, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to fast. I'm, just, I'm not going to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be surprised. You know, because, and you know this, you're a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I only play one on the radio. Uh, but uh, w w w when you fast and you don't eat, uh, and since we're Americans, we all have a nice, healthy uh, buildup of fat cells. Yeah, stored, yeah, yeah. You're burning this stored energy, and it actually, it's, it, it's like good fuel. It burns really hot. So you feel like you actually have more energy for some reason. So, Well, yeah, because you're motivated to get to that next meal. You're, you're wide awake, man. You're chomping at the bit. Um, <laughs> I will say that uh, fasting gets a bad rap. Fasting is something that uh, I absolutely recommend for my patients within reason. You know, I mean, you, like you say, skip a meal. Certainly you've got to limit your caloric intake. Yes. But, I mean, the bottom line is that fasting has gotten a very bad rap. If you're 60 pounds overweight, 
Let's just face it. You can fast a little bit. I mean, yeah. come on. And, and America doesn't have a nutrition problem. America has an overnutrition problem. There are all kinds of vitamins and nutrients packed into everything. I take a daily multivitamin, that's it. And then I eat American, and I maintain my weight. I maintain my health, uh, basically. But getting back to the type 2 drugs, let me say this, though. Type 2 diabetes is very prevalent. Uh, most diabetics in the U.S. have type 2 diabetes. But that is very easily treated in most cases with compliance, with dietary compliance, and with medication compliance by these cheap, cheap, cheap drugs. I mean, you can get on these $600 a month drugs, and I know that many endocrinologists put people on these things that I don't think they ought to be. I think these people ought to take more serious stock of their health. Diabetes is a disease that the patient treats mostly, in my opinion. That's not to say they get cured. But they have to do the most of the treatment through diet and exercise and maintaining a healthy weight, healthy dietary habits. Now, now that he, being said, let me, let me finish this. Sure, sure. Type 1 diabetes, the insulin. The other reason that those insulins are so bloody expensive is because they're covered by health insurance, Dr. Church. They're covered by health insurance. If people paid cash for these old-timey pig-derived insulin products, the price would come down. So go ahead, sir. So here's a, uh, um, uh, a comment from someone in the chat room at MikeChurch.com that you can go and join if you'd like. Uh, regarding the current discussion, my wife is type 1 diabetic and uses an insulin pump. We calculated yep. that if we paid cash out of pocket for her supplies, it would be around $2,300 per month. Not that I expect yep. anyone else to foot our bill for us, but that is exorbitant. I, I don't disagree. I mean, that is exorbitant. And how much is an insulin pump really worth anyway? Well, it's worth, it should be worth whatever the market will bear. Mm -hmm. But the same logic applies to these things. That the idea that how many insulin pumps are there out there, and insulin pumps are a wonderful thing. Don't get me wrong. They are a wonderful, wonderful advance in diabetes treatment. So if that person's wife is on an insulin pump and it's being effective for her, Great. I'm glad. It's worth every bit of 2300 bucks a month and should be covered by health insurance. Because the problem with insulin pumps is, again, it's a supply versus demand thing. These pumps are very expensive technology, but they're very expensive technology in the same vein as the flat screen TV in my living room. Yeah, now he says that the technology. pump itself is around 5000 bucks, and, and then he's got a fair, uh, a good follow-up. So how much of that is attributed to the cost of the FDA approval process? Bingo. Uh, right there. And you know what? Well, the FDA is going to lock out the little guy. If you don't have five and a half million bucks to get that product through right. FDA clearance, you're not going to get your little mark, your, your pump. There is no market force, therefore, because the FBI That's can right. be bought and paid, bribed, and, and, and can actually sit there as a stone wall against innovation. As a matter of fact, Doc, front page of the, uh, of the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal today. There's a story about this, about how the Trump FDA is actually here. I'll read it. Cures welcome at FDA now. The agency opens its thinking on Alzheimer's to innovative methods. This is a story about how, I, I guess, someone in the uh, Trump administration went in there and told the FDA, all right, you guys got to stop some of what you're doing. That's right. That's right. You got to stop some of what you're doing. <coughs> now, are you, wait a minute. You're not implying, I hope, that a government agency can be subject to bribery or political forces. Oh, never. I mean, no, no, let me not no, start never. Off my week with dire thought. Okay. okay. But actually, I did write about this, too, in my book. I've written about everything in that book. I covered it all. Do you remember a few summers ago when the EpiPen controversy erupted? The, the what now? The EpiPen, the thing that allergic, allergic kids use to jab into their leg when they get allergic to peanuts or whatever at school. It's life-saving. Oh, okay. It's a very important. Yeah, I, I kind of remember. So this EpiPen, is, it's what it is, and again, I detail all this in my book. Unlike an insulin pump that ain't really worth five grand, I would submit, because it costs probably a few bucks to manufacture those things now, but unfortunately, they're not subject to market forces. Unlike the, this, the EpiPen, pardon me, has been subject to market forces for a while now because a lot of insurance companies just wouldn't cover it. And there was big pushes on by the EpiPen manufacturer 
By the way, the CEO of that company is none other than West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin's daughter. Ah, I never would have guessed. Never. uh, You mean there's a political connection there? (laughs) Please. And isn't it amazing that EpiPens are nothing more than a few cents worth of plastic, a few cents worth of steel to create the spring and the needle that injects this medicine into you, and probably a few cents for the few drops of epinephrine, which is otherwise known as adrenaline, again, a very old drug that you can buy by the gallon for pennies on the, do- pennies on the ounce. So they take this very cheap drug, they put it in this very well-known, well-designed apparatus that's been around forever, like your cell phone. Cell phones don't cost 500 bucks to manufacture anymore, uh, and they're a lot more complicated than EpiPens are. So it's not like the price of plastic or steel or epinephrine went up. So why did these things go from fifty bucks, fifty dollars to six hundred dollars? Wow, fifty bucks uh-huh. to six. Well, obviously, Mitter Healthcare Honomics, they must have made a super duper, cantafragilistic expialidocious super pin, epi pin. Well, what they did, you're close. You're real close. <laughs> but what they really did was they convinced the Uncle Sam government not to let other competitors into the market. Oh, they would never do that. No, the FDA, are you kidding? So the FDA has either stifled uh, other competitors by not allowing them, like there was a French company, I believe, that manufactured something very similar. They wanted entry into the U.S. market. No, we're not going to allow that. (laughs) The FDA won't allow that. People speak French. We're not going to allow that for you. So <clears throat> there was another company that was doing the you know, exact same thing, and I think it was an American company, and they just couldn't seem to get their medicine approved through the approval process. There's always a hang-up, a delay. And, I mean, the fact that Joe Manchin's daughter is the CEO of Myland making millions of dollars a year off this stuff, I think she made like $17 million or something like that, if I remember correctly. Again, don't quote me. It's in the book, folks. But uh, I'm telling you right now, it is as dirty as it gets. And so finally all the media pressure, the media was outraged over this because this is something that, you know, six-year-olds need in the middle of first grade sometimes. And if they don't got it, they could die. I mean, that's a very compelling argument to be made. So the price did stabilize. But I think the company was using this to argue to get insurance coverage for it. Now, in wait a minute. In case, it would have been more than six well, Okay, so there's a story that my uh, crack production team in the other room was doing our video today uh, just dug up for us, Doc. Uh, this yeah. is from statnews.com. It's from uh, uh, September 2016. EpiPen pricing controversy reflects larger issues in pharma industry. And they got a graph here where they show the EpiPen uh, in 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, cost around 116 bucks a pop. In 2010, wow. it went up to 139. Today, in, two, in 2016, when this story was written, it had magically increased in value, like the Dow Jones Industrial Average under Trump, to $608 a dose. There you have it, folks. You heard it straight from the horse's mouth. I'm not. Uh, it's not just me, folks. Yeah, and, and here's the question. This is what people... This is where the big myth of healthcare comes into play, Dr. Church. That is this. People don't even give it a thought as to how much does it cost to manufacture one of these EpiPens. I mean, forget all the scientific approval, FDA approval. That happened decades ago, man. It's a that glorified it's a glorified syringe. What do you mean how much does it cost to produce glorified it? Syringe. <laughs> and as I point out in the book, it's highly doubtful that the price of plastic, the price of steel, for you <laughs> know the the tenth of an ounce of steel you need to make this spring and this needle in this thing. And it's very doubtful that so, the price of the drug went up. So what's driving this? So when when James Cameron made uh, the movie The Abyss <laughs> back in nineteen eighty six and Mary, uh, Master, Master Antonio died, and he had to bring her back. He basically used an EpiPen because he shot it. He went right into her heart with uh, epinephrine to try and revive her. So, That's right. But it only cost 100 bucks back then. <laughs> Today, the same gadget costs $600. I'm just reading this, scrolling through this controversy here. This is scandalous. 
Well, it's, it's not scandalous. It's, it's the government in action. And this is what happens when the free market forces that normally would govern the price of an EpiPen, which, based upon what I know about EpiPens, they ought to be on the $4 list, man. It's your $4 list. I still think that the companies would make money selling them for 4 bucks. Now, listen to this um, in the same story, Doc. The cost of an Albutoro, uh, Albutoro, how do you say Albuterol. it? Albuterol inhaler for asthma, once less than $15, has risen 300 to 600%. Insulin now, prices uh, have more than tripled in a decade as well. And then the guy who wrote the story is going, and, uh, James R. Baker, MD, CEO and Chief Medical Officer of Food Allergy Research and Education. Obviously, this guy knows a little bit about EpiPens. So he's asking all these questions back in 2016. I don't think they've been answered here in 2018. I'm not sure if that's the guy who uh, – now, don't, don't, don't get me lying here, but I wrote about a doctor in the book who wrote some very incendiary articles like that. He was the president of some research thing. But really, the reality is he was a shill for my land. He was trying to get – the big push was to get insurance coverage for these drugs because that way they can bill – insurers you know sky's the limit so the big push is to get insurance blanket insurance coverage let me tell you something Healthcare people love having their services covered under health insurance oh i bet they do really huh. really upcharge why would why do hospitals you know charge you six thousand dollars for an mri that they would otherwise charge you 300 bucks for in cash well wouldn't you if you could i mean wouldn't you if you could bill insurance for that so <clears throat> that guy, let me say this, albuterol, the key to the albuterol thing, I am asthmatic, by the way, to have three pre-existing conditions. And albuterol is something that was 15 bucks a pop. An inhaler, nothing, n- no big deal. You go buy it, that's it. I paid cash for them always. But the EPA came out with this deal saying that, uh-uh-uh, you can't put <laughs> those chlorofluorocarbonaceous things in there. Oh, the ozone layer. yeah, we're going to so put they- a whole, uh, all you people trying to cure yourselves of peanut, uh, of eating peanuts when you're allergic to them, you cause the ozone hole now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good so Lord. So, of the world, beware. So, they changed, they changed the propellant, <laughs> what, what kicks the medicine out when you squeeze the inhaler and it goes... They changed the gas that propels the actual drug out of the canister. Now, they didn't change the drug, but guess what that allowed them to do? Get a brand-new patent on it, as if they had just created this out of thin air. And so here's an example where you have a three-decade-old medicine, albuterol, that was dirt cheap. Now it's about 75 80 bucks a pop. Go figure. <laughs> Go figure. because the government doing this, the government steps in and intercedes. Well, it's always Wonderful. well. It, it it always has something to do with the uh, uh, now. Look, and and if again, if you're in business and you're in the health, uh, what I used to call the health services industry, like you know, you make the uh, the, the EpiPen, you make the insulin pump, you make any of these kind of gadgets that can be used um, uh, in, in in medical services. Uh, there's obviously a advantage to having and retaining a lobbyist in Washington D.C. Uh, I don't even it. bother with a state lobbyist anymore. Yeah, that's four three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To make sure that rules and regulations are written and that the FDA has got you covered, so that when you're going to spend two hundred million dollars on testing and pharmacological trials and whatever for this next miracle drug or that or that next one or whatever the case may be that there is a methodology you are guaranteed to get your money back the only mechanism possible that could they could deliver that that foolproof and not have drug companies going under which they ought to be under threat under all the time uh, anyways is government so you know that it's rigged it has to be rigged Oh, it's rigged big time. Even at the state level in Texas, uh, uh, <clears throat> oh, gosh, back as far as I can remember, up until I quit doing emergency medicine a few years ago, I would write prescriptions for asthmatics who I saw in the ER <clears throat> for albuterol, a cheap asthma drug. This is back when it's still cheap. And then I get these denials from Medicaid, the, 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 the state-run Medicaid, you know, for the poor people. I'd get these denials back because I didn't write it for what's called leave albuterol, lev albuterol, the, the left-sided version of albuterol. 
which came out. It's, it's called uh, Zopinex. It's a, that's the brand name of this drug. came out in the mid-'90s, expensive as all get out. I mean, multiple times the price of regular albuterol. No clinical studies have shown that it works any better, mm-hmm. works any really differently, mm-hmm. works no better, no worse than regular old cheap albuterol, mm-hmm. except the price tag. And uh, Medicaid had an exclusive contract with the manufacturers of Zopinex. And so Medicaid was waste. I mean, spending uh, probably millions of dollars a year on every asthmatic that it was covering by, by voluntarily choosing, <coughs> voluntarily <laughs> choosing uh, to go for the much more expensive drug that really had no added benefits. Well, so, uh, yeah, it's all corruption. And it's unfortunate that uh, so many people are are left in the middle. Because you know, next, maybe next time when we do a show, we ought to talk about. Uh, we did a really good job of covering the EpiPen today. <laughs> yeah, and, and things that should not be uh, that uh, that should not be as expensive as they are. Maybe next time when we talk, we ought to talk about some of these uh, drugs and treatment procedures that are basically the only reason that, that they're being advocated for and on the books is because an insurance company will pay for them. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah. I, like when I used to be all up in the, you know, in the Austrian economics and free market stuff, uh, and that's the only way I knew to look at life, I, I, I would uh, talk about this and I would say, look, um, if, you, uh, if, if there wasn't an insurance company and a scam to pay for this, and somebody knew that going in, okay, what do you want to do? We, we, okay, uh, doc researcher, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to uh, invent a drug that successfully treats uh, um, some rare form of asthma, say whatever the case may be. Yeah. Okay, uh, what's the market for that, people that have this rare form of asthma? Is this a good Christian thing to do? Uh, yes, it is. Can you make you know a little bit of change on it? Yes, you can. Um, uh, how much is it going to cost you to, uh, to do this? Oh, well, it's going to cost me $50 million. So, you know, you get a you, you calculation on your... Now, the reason it costs $50 million, again, is because of the system and uh, because of the mm-hmm. FDA and all that I, stuff. I, I, so Bring that down a few decimals, I would say. It doesn't cost that much. They say it does, but I think that's all nonsense. Go ahead. Okay, so um, if you're planning on selling this to people... It would not do you any good. You know what? I, I didn't. Uh, I, I maybe I did it on the drug, but I did it on some of the uh, the major surgeries that you have, like hip replacements and quadruple yeah. bypasses, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and and my, my point was, if someone was going to perfect this, um, and they didn't know that there was this built-in payment system that was going to help them recoup the uh, the money for this, they would have had to have developed a totally separate method for addressing this malady. Now, and they had to made it so that Mike or Kevin could go walk into a clinic and go like, I can't afford that, but uh, maybe $5,000 over three years, but not 500,000. Well, if you got insurance, they would had to have thought the thing through the way, same way a guy that wants to make a widget has to think it through. You want to bring a product to market, you know, you've got to consider these things. Um, that consideration now uh, is probably not the first thing that is considered now. And money is no object because, you know, you have compulsory customers that uh, are, are going to you know, doctors. Uh, you, you know, when you have drug rep- representatives visiting doctor's offices, I, I always had a problem with that. <laughs> Wait a minute. What you do you do for a living? All they do is give us pins nowadays. Yeah, maybe the occasional. I pins. heard that they trips to Hawaii. I heard that they took the snake dinners away and all that, and all you get is a lousy uh, notepad that you can write on now. <laughs> yeah, Ted Kennedy, thanks, Ted. Yeah, yeah. Ted, thanks. Um, but you would have to develop this so that it would be uh, some could be more or less affordable than others, but so that it would be affordable, reasonable. <clears throat> but that's well, not. I, yeah, I mean, when you when you increase the complexity of anything, be it uh, going through a copay, and you know, the next thing we got to talk about is pharmacy benefit managers. Holy cow, what a scam industry that is! Hundreds of billions of dollars a year wasted on people on an industry that has nothing. They do nothing, 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 nothing except self-serving for the pharmaceutical and the insurance industry. Sure. But anyway, it's a whole other show. But uh, when you increase the complexity of something, when you take it out of the hands of purchaser and provider, be that for 
coffee beans or hot dogs or health care, um, you have an opportunity there to obfuscate and confuse and make people not understand how much services really cost to manufacture, distribute, and supply and market. And you make it easy to charge them something that is not at all reflective of that true cost. That's right. Because the free market doesn't come into bear on this thing. So these third-party payer systems, these increasingly uh, and, and unnecessary complex ways of, of paying for things, and, you know, the SBA approval process is another complexity that allows companies to sit there and wail Sure. The zillions of dollars it takes for them to bring a drug to market. Well, come on. <sighs> on economies of scale, they've got 600 drugs they're looking at. They're all stymied in the pipeline for a yeah. few years. They've got this, they're paying the research scientists. I mean, it's just not that big of an It's an opportunity cost right. to get their drug on the market. But otherwise, it's not that big of an economic deal for these companies all right, we're, to have these things set up. So we're, anyway. We're out of time. Uh, another thrill-packed medical uh, medical revelation moment here on the show. <laughs> uh, visit uh, Dr. Wickhazy's Healthcare Onomics site. That still is a preferable site, right? Yes, sir. Healthcareonomics.com. And then Healthcareonomics on Twitter and Healthcareonomics on Facebook and Healthcareonomics on YouTube. There's some videos up there now. Yep. Um, that are started. And as you said, you can download his app in the for the Android phone. Um, yep. Not the iPhone just yet. He's working on it, but you can download the app. Now, what's the app called again? That is Dr. W's Equation. Dr. W's, W's Equation. Equation. All of that. Bucks, it's it's fifteen dollars, but fifteen bucks could save you thousands more on your health insurance. Remember fifteen dollars could save you fifteen fifteen percent or more on health insurance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you need a little green lizard speaking for you, pal. <laughs> All right, I gotta go for the eight thirty news. Thank you always, brother. Thank you, Doctor Church. I appreciate it. Let's uh, do it again. We will do it again. You count on it. All right. All right. Let's talk again real soon, folks. That's uh, Doctor uh, Way Casey there again. Healthcareonomics dot com.